wondering where I was going. I'd, I'd had several messages, Emily, that was ready to go. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, God, where are we going? And I wasn't sure, Jody. I was just like, I don't know. I've got all these ideas, Brent. I, I just don't know. Well, Ted said something Wednesday night. Like I said, I don't give him a whole lot of credit, but uh, Ted said something Wednesday night. And I want to read you the quote he said because I made sure to go back and, and get it. He said, salvation is a different realm. It's a different kingdom. It is not a religion that gives us the same old suffering life. Uh, you, and then he asked the question, he says, have you ever met a Christian that really thinks that being a believer is saying how good Jesus is and then attaching how miserable they are to it? And then this is the statement that really caught me. That is not a healthy Christianity. That's not a healthy Christianity. And, and, and so right then I began to say, okay, now I know where we're going. That I just needed that little uh, thing there. And so I began to do some study. Now, I don't know if many of you see, saw this recent uh, Gallup poll that came out. But for the first time since they started doing these polls, hi Ruth. Ruth and Greg are back from Sri Lanka. We're glad they're here. <laughs> Amen. But Gallup released a poll, and for the first time since they started doing these polls, Christianity is below, people who claim Christianity is below 50% of the U.S. For the first time since they started doing these kind of polls. And this particular poll was based over what they did 20 years ago. So if for the first time, it's dropped under 50%. People who claim to be atheists and agnostic has increased by 2%. But what's the, 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 the interesting thing, well, not interesting, church attendance has decreased as well. But what really struck my interest was they asked the question, how many of the people polled do you pray often? That number has actually increased. So there seems to be a disconnect between the church what Christianity is pre presented to be and those who actually believe in prayer. Because those who claim Christianity has decreased, the church attendance has decreased, atheists and agnostic uh, belief systems have increased, but people who are praying more often has increased. So why, and I begin to ask myself, okay, what is the disconnect? And, and I thought, well, perhaps we're not showing a healthy Christianity. Now, today's going to be an absolute indictment against the church. I'm just going to tell you that now. Uh, so, in the beginning, when the, when the church, when the early church first started, I, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, I wish I was there in the beginning, Bill. I wish I was there. I would love to see what the early church saw. Well, there's a problem in that very statement that we have to even ask that. That we even have to say, I would love to see what the early church saw. There's a problem there. In the early church, they weren't called Christians. Now, let me say this. I've got to preface it right now. I am not saying we're leaving here never calling ourselves Christian. 
But in the early church days, they weren't called Christians. Christians was actually a, a, a slur against them. It meant little Christ. It was actually a way of making fun of them. And, and, and it was a derogatory. And it wasn't, Brent, until the, sometime between the second and the fourth century that, that believers and followers of Christ even began to claim and try to reclaim the word Christian. For the for whole first century, they uh, objected to that name. Oh, have we changed. Mark, not Mark, not Mark at all. Acts chapter 11, verse 26 <laughs> Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it says, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christian in Antioch. So here's the time when Paul, and they're, they're setting up, they're teaching believers, they're teaching, teaching the church, and here is where the people of Antioch began to mock them and call them Christians. Now, in the early church, what they were called was the way. What they were called was the way, and that's what's gonna be this series for the next, till we're done, is we're gonna talk about the way. We're gonna talk about what it looked like what it is and why we don't look like it today. Ooh. Acts chapter 9. Now, here's the funny thing. Acts chapter 9, I'm going to show you just some real quick scriptures to prove this. Uh, almost every translation except the King James Version actually capitalizes the word way when it's talking about that because they understood that that's what the early church was called. The early church was called the way. Acts chapter nine, verse one and two. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from, the, from him to synagogues in, in, of Damascus. So that when he found any who were of the way, so that when he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Go to Acts chapter 19, verse 8. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. We're not going to spend a lot of time on these. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom. But when some of them were hardened and did not believe, they spoke evil of the way before the multitude and he departed from them and withdrew the disciples reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. Jump down to verse 23, same chapter. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. <laughs> Acts chapter 22, verse four. Paul talking about his early life, telling all the great things that he did. He said, I persecuted this way to, to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. Acts 24, verse 14. Acts 24, verse 14. But I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect. So it shows you they, this is what they were called. According to the way which they call a sect, um, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all that is written in the law and in the prophets. So, I wanna pose a question to you this morning. 
As we're looking at the church, and I, I, I read you those statistics, do, and we're seeing church attendance and things like this on the decline, not the incline. Could it be perhaps our gatherings don't look like the way anymore? Are you with me? Maybe we just don't look like the way. Well, what the way look like, Idra? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, <coughs> verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way. So maybe the church doesn't look like Jesus anymore. Maybe we look like something else. Maybe we look like, I don't know, a good social club, a nice place to visit. It's got a good beat and it's easy to dance to, you know. We, they play good music there, man, and everything's going. And so, it, you know, we're all just there. But Jesus said, I am the way. And all through the early church, we see that they were called the way. They were following the way of Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to my Father except through me. So if we have to ask, why is the church decreasing? Why is those who claim Christianity decreasing? Maybe we're not showing them the way to the Father. We're showing them something else. And, and, and too often we, we hear people tell us, oh, I just wish I could be there in the early. You know, the early church is still the same. The church didn't change. The way that was set up by Jesus is still the way today. The problem is we don't want to look like it anymore. We, 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 hear, we read things about miracles and signs and wonders and healings and, and, and blessings and, and we think, well, what's the relevance of that stuff today? But if it was relevant in the early church, why isn't it relevant to us today? That old song just went through my head. Give me that old time religion. Well, I don't want an old-time religion because that's what we look like now. We look like an old, dusty, religious sect that has a form of godliness, but we deny its power. <laughs> well, what do you mean it's power? Well, that stuff just not useful anymore. You know, it's, it's, it, nobody needs all of that. Nobody needs all of that. Brent says, I do. <laughs> well, that just, and, and, then we, and then we try to get our personality to fit it. Well, that's just not me. I don't act like that. Move me. <laughs> but here's the thing. If we look at the way the way started, the early church started, and if that's what it took to change a world, then why is it not relevant today? Why doesn't it take the same things that was experienced in the early church, why are we not doing the same things to change the world around us? I'm going to give you two scriptures for the basis of this today. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. 
And over the next few weeks, we're just going to talk about some stuff uh, that I believe that one thing that the Holy Spirit told me to minister in the church this year, he said, was, was bring the power of the Spirit back into the church. Amen. Okay. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is from faith, that is by faith from first to last. Now, if you're reading King James Version, it says from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I think the first thing that we need to take out of those two scriptures is the way was not ashamed of who they were. Amen. They weren't ashamed of who they were. They wasn't ashamed. You, you see, the word ashamed means to be affected by embarrassment. They weren't embarrassed to be called the crazy ones. They weren't embarrassed to be called the wild ones. They weren't embarrassed to be called the ones who walked into the temple and began to heal people. They weren't afraid to be the ones who walked down the street as people chucked people into the street just so their shadow would cover them. But you see what's happened in our world today is we've become ashamed to be a little wild. We've become ashamed to be a spectacle. The church has always been a spectacle. She is supposed to be a spectacle. She's a shining light on a hill, and it is time that we say, hey, look at us. We've tried to hide from everybody. We tried to hide from the government. We tried to hide from those old meanies who talked about us. We've tried to hide from everybody. Well, what is happening is the way is coming back where we're going to say, I have the otherworldly answer for whatever ails you. And they were embarrassed about the gospel they preached. <laughs> See, people, folks, people will gravitate to anything that attempts to fill a God-sized hole in their heart. And whatever that God-sized hole is, they'll try to fill it with everything. But again, we have the supernatural otherworldly answer. I'm making a statement right now so you know where I'm coming from, that I believe that if we're really going to see a change in the world, we're going to have to partake in. We, as believers, as followers, as the way, as Christians, whatever you want to call it, we're going to have to come back to a, a place that believes in the signs and wonders and miracles of God. We are going to have to come back to a place that even believes in those crazy third heaven experiences. That Paul talked about. Amen. You know when he said, and I was in the, I was, I, I, and I was caught away, and I was, oh, whether I was in the body or out of my body, I don't know. See, that's scriptural. That's not weird. 
You're bringing in all this old stuff into the, yeah, I'm bringing in some old stuff into the church. So we're going to believe signs and wonders and miracles. We're going to believe in absolute third heaven experiences. We're going to believe in visions. We're going to believe in dreams. We're going to believe that the prophetic voice of the Lord is still working. We're going to believe that every believer is a minister of God and every believer is a movement of God and they have the ability in themselves to change a nation, to change a community, to change a town to change their home. It doesn't take pastors, it takes ministers. <clears throat> We're going to believe that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation today. Well, now I don't believe all that. All that was just to get the world. Well, the world's going backward. So if it was good enough then, it's good enough. Folks, and I'm making some statements here. You, you, you may decide today, say, this ain't for me. And that's okay. But even our gatherings should start looking different. Amen. We believe that it's okay to dance with and before God. Yes. <laughs> we, <laughs> we believe that it's okay to roll around on the floor it's okay to laugh. It's okay to rejoice. It's okay to shout. It's okay to jump. It's okay to run. It's o you say, why is it okay? Because we know that God lives in us and there has to come a time where everybody, where somebody stands up and says, you need joy, we've got it. You need peace, we've got it. You need hope, we've got it. This, Disney will get a hold of this and ruin me. This is the way. <laughs> Some of you don't know what that is. This is the way. We're going to believe in the intoxicating presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to believe that his desire, Sally, Sally and I was having this conversation in the back of the church today. We believe that it is God's desire for us to live a life that is full of joy, that is full of peace, that is full of blessings. God is not trying to judge you, kick you out, or thump you on the head. God's desire for you is to bless you to where you're so good, you have no option but to turn to him. <laughs> This is the way. Second Timothy. Lord our God. But my personality. God doesn't care about your personality. Hang around me long enough. I'll embarrass you so many times that you just won't care anymore, Elizabeth. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. This is, Paul's uh, telling Timothy, he said, this is why I suffer as I do. Still, I am not ashamed. Amen. Well, what if people talk about me? Still, I'm not ashamed. But what if people, they stand up in other places and they talk bad about you? Still, I'm not ashamed. But they think you're weird and still I'm not ashamed. But they think you're a, a cult and still I'm not ashamed because everything that I've said to you today is found in the Word of God. It's not crazy stuff that I've made up. It's crazy stuff that God made up. If you go back and read the old early church in the first century, there is tons of writings 
about signs, wonders, and miracles. And I'm talking past the apostles. Past the apostles. I'm talking about the ones that the Catholic Church has venerated as saints. Still talked about signs, wonders, miracles, things that's happening. Paul said, and so this is why I suffer as I do and still I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know him personally. Ah. Maybe they're ashamed because they don't really know God personally. They know him. See, a lot of you all know who I am. But you haven't spent enough time with me to get to know me yet. Because you would probably run really fast. (laughs) If you really got to know me. Paul says, listen, I know I'm suffering, but I'm still not ashamed. Why? Because I know him personally. And I am acquainted with him. For I have believed with absolute trust and confidence in him and in the truth of his deity. And I am persuaded beyond any doubt. Now, King James Version says, for I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. So if I'm persuaded that what I give to God, my whole being, even my pride, he's able to keep it. But the Amplified says, and I am persuaded beyond any doubt that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day when I stand before him. So the first thing that I believe that we need to learn from the early church, from the way, is we can't be ashamed anymore. We can't be embarrassed anymore. Well, I just don't want people, they're, they're going to talk, let me tell you. It may not be everybody's flavor. Folks, this has nothing to do with denomination. This has nothing to do with names over a door. This is what the early church experienced. He says, back to Romans 1.16. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. The next thing the way understood is they understood the power that they had a hold of. The church doesn't understand understand the power she's got a hold of. We think we're powerless. We think, oh, you know why? Because we've said stupid stuff all of our life. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. (laughs) You need to make up your mind. You can't be both. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Or else Jesus just didn't work. And we all know that didn't happen. See, they understood the power that they have. They understood the power that was in them. That word power there is dunamis in the original language. Dunamis is the root word where we get the word dynamite from. It's word that, that we, it's, it's the root word for where we get dynamic from. See, the gospel that we have and the God that we serve is a God of dynamic power. And I tell you what, it's time that the church becomes a dynamic, a dynamite force in, the, in whatever community they're in. And I, it can be this church, it can be any other church. But is it, the word is dunamis, it means strength, it means ability, it means force, specifically for working miracles. It means, the word power there means influence. The type of, how many of you know Bill Gates has influence? 
Donald Trump has influence. Some of these other, Elon Musk has influence. Why do they have all this influence? They got money. And so money bought them influence. But here's what he says there. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power. It is the, it, it lends to the church the same type of influence that being wealthy lends. It is the power. It is influence. See, we need to be a people who understand the power that we have in us and it causes us to be an influence in our town, in our families, in our jobs, in our homes, in our government, in everywhere. We have that power on the inside of us, that dynamite, dynamic power that produces influence. But if we don't act like the way there is no influence. If we don't exercise this power, there is no influence. <coughs> See, the gospel is the force of God. It is the miraculous power of God. It is the ability and the abundance of God. It is the strength of God. It is the emphasis on a supernatural being. That's who God has called you to be. Quit trying to be natural, quit trying to fit in, you don't fit. Where you do fit is right in Jesus' breast. Where you do fit is right in the heart of the Father. And so when we begin to operate in this place, then we're going to see Christian, maybe we just have had an unhealthy Christianity. Maybe it's time for a nice shot of the power of God again. Back into a church who was going to operate in power. I'm not ashamed. Let's go back to Romans 1.16. Oh, oh, you're already there. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. King James Version says Greeks. It actually just means anybody who wasn't a Jew. I believe that the way in the early church, they not only weren't ashamed of their gospel, they not only uh, believed that they, they had power and influence. If you don't believe they had influence, all you gotta do is look where Christianity is today. We're still all over the world. But I believe they also enjoyed their salvation. They knew it has the power of God for us. I believe they enjoyed, folks, what if it's just time Wendy, what if it's just time that the church just starts enjoying salvation? What if we come to the point where we quit trying to work it all out? Like we could do something to change it anyhow. Come on. And what if it's just time that we enjoy? Maybe people, maybe Christianity's on a decline. Maybe the church is on decline. Maybe because... They look at us and they're like, well, you ain't enjoying where you're at. You're always mad about something. <laughs> I'm not, no, I can't. Um, you'll say, well, how do I enjoy salvation? Well, it's because a lot of us think salvation is simply means get out of hell free. And you don't really understand what the whole word means. The whole word of salvation it means victory. It does mean save, but it means victory. 
It means deliverance. It means prosperity. It means protection. It means health. It means preservation. It means to make the whole being prosper. I'm telling you what, if you understood what salvation really was, you could enjoy that. How many of you could enjoy health? I got three people who want to be healthy. How many of you could enjoy, here, let's go, this one always gets everybody. How many of you could enjoy prosperity? Ah, see? How many of us could enjoy just deliverance from the things that's got us bound? How many of us could enjoy being preserved from the day of evil? How many of us could be pres- could realize when our whole being suffers that salvation means our whole being is blessed? Woo! See, if we understood what we really have to offer people, it, my goodness, we've all, uh, long horse face. <laughs> You want to go to church? Our church is really good. What do you do? I don't know. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Well, why? What's he done for you? Well, today I got a backache and a knee ache. My bank account's broke. Um, I got all this other stuff going on, all the, you know, you know, but you know, Jesus is really good. How can we expect to bring sheep to a pasture when it looks like the shepherd don't know how to take care of the sheep he's got? So what if we change? Well, God, send them, God. No, how about, you know, we've talked about this all along, that coming out of this whole craziness of Corona, all this lockdown, all this, what if the church came out different? What if we talk different? What if we look different? What if we act different? What if we quit being the same thing we've been for the last thousand years and we decide that we're going to be what the first century saw, the century that changed the world, the century that changed everything? What if we just decide that's who we are? That's called enjoying salvation. If you can't enjoy your salvation, you sure can't share it. My daughter comes in the house the other day and she's got this drink in her hand and she said, ooh, this is awful, try it. (laughs) That's the same way we've tried to offer people Jesus. (laughs) Try that. Well, what person in their right mind is gonna try that mess? But what if we just decided that we laugh more than we cry? What if we decided that it's joy more than sadness? What if we decided that we understand prosperity? What if we understand, what if we decided that we're gonna enjoy this thing and quit growing around acting like somebody stole our cookie? Oh, Acts chapter eight. You got to forgive me. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says this. He says, And Philip traveled to a Samaritan city, and he preached to them the wonderful news, the good news, the gospel. 
maybe we're just preaching an old dried up sad meh. We've offered them something sour, something nasty. Okay, moving right along. And he preached the wonderful news of the anointing to them. And look what happened when he preached good news, Scott. And crowds were eager to receive Philip's message. When's the last time somebody was eager to be around you because you spoke life into them so much? When's the last time somebody was eager to get around you because every time they did, they walked away feeling better than when they weren't around you? Get out of my yard. <laughs> he says, and the crowds were eager to receive his, the message. What message? The good news. And were persuaded. Now, what persuaded them? They were eager to hear good news, and then what did he do? And they were persuaded by the many, everybody say many, miracles and wonders he performed. Well, how about if you just become a wonder maker? How about if you just become a miracle worker? Well, that was Jesus. No, that's you. God lives in you. The power of eternity. God says that he set eternity in our hearts. What if we decide that it's just crazy enough to work? That God really didn't lie to us. And they were persuaded by many miracles and wonders he performed. Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as the evil spirits came out from them with loud screams and shrieks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. That sounds like a good gospel. Well, our church don't believe in all that. The early church did. Oh, you see how quiet it gets? I'm not putting their church down, Dan. But the early church believed this. I wish I could have been there. You're there now. You're still part of the way. God hasn't changed. The same God. Yesterday, today, forever. He still does it. So who's that responsibility now lie on? He said they were persuaded by the many miracles that he did. <laughs> lame, devils came out of people. Lame and paralyzed were healed. Now look at the results of this kind of gospel. Of, look at the results of the way of one man. One man following the way. And this resulted in uncontainable joy filling the city. Joy filled not the church they were in. We got to get past this idea that God just wants you to have a good time in here. God wants you to have a good time out there. <laughs> he wants you to have a good time today when you go to lunch. He wants you to have a good time today when you're filling up your car with gasoline. He wants you to have a good time. This is, this is hard for me, Dave. I'm just going to be honest with you. He wants you to have a good time in Walmart. Why? Because you're a miracle worker. 
You're a sign and a wonder. You have the good news. You have the great message. And when you begin to do that, and we begin to operate by who, by knowing what Peter, by, by, what Philip was experiencing here, it's not only going to change our church, it's not only going to change our town, but it can bring joy to a whole city. You imagine Cambridge so wrapped up in the glory of God that they're just drunk all over the streets with the Holy Ghost and just laying on the streets laughing and we're walking over top of people going, bless them, Lord. <laughs> I don't believe in all that. They did. The early church did. <laughs> Romans chapter 14. It's coming in. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. From the Passion Translation says it this way. For the kingdom of God, er, er, clean your ears, everybody go like this. Thank you. <laughs> For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules. About food and drink. You gotta have this on, you gotta have that on. Don't have your tattoo showing. Take your earrings out. Make sure you look the right part. That's the problem, Brent. Everybody's tried to look Christian rather than looking like the way. Who set that rule book up? I missed it, Kathy. <laughs> he said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food or drink, but, what is, I'll say, he's going to tell us what the kingdom of God is about, but is in the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness Peace and joy. Amen. King James Version says, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Perhaps we've been preaching the wrong kingdom. I'll try that over here. <laughs> if, our, if our kingdom, Scott, doesn't look like righteousness, and it don't look like peace, and it doesn't look like joy, it doesn't look like the kingdom of God. We've told them, you're nothing, you're worthless, you're foul. That's not righteousness. We've told them, be afraid, the end is near, the end is near. They're coming after us all. That's not peace. There's a little boy one time, in the seat and he poked his head up and was smiling at the people behind him and he just kept ducking and smiling, ducking and smiling, ducking and smiling. His mom reaches over and pinches him and he cries and she said, that's better. That's the way we've done the church. Sit down, shut up, look holy, sound holy, don't you dare laugh, how dare you have a sense of humor. Be afraid, you unworthy, filthy, rotten animal. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Perhaps, Ted, from what got all this started was what Ted said Wednesday. Perhaps we're preaching an unhealthy Christianity. That doesn't look like righteousness. 
that doesn't look like peace, that doesn't look like joy. Because that's what the realm of the Spirit is. Verse 18. See, when we, when we start to look inside of ourselves and say, okay, maybe we're wrong, it, it gets quiet, Glenn. Everybody's like, he says, serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities. So what is a kingdom reality? Righteousness, peace, and joy. By serving the anointed one, by walking in these kingdom reality, look what it does. It pleases God. I just want to please God. I need to do better so I can please. You want to please God? It's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy. So if you're angry all the time and you're mad all the time and you're sad all the time, (laughs) thank God. Well, can we, if we could just say that, if the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy, and walking in these kingdom realities pleases God, can we say that anything that is not that doesn't please God? Somebody could pick up that pen I just heard. <laughs> now look what else it does. It pleases God and it earns the respect of others. Verse 17 of Romans 1 says, for the gospel is a righteousness from God, in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. The last part of that verse says, and the just, the righteous will live by faith. We're going to start right there next week. With the way was a way of faith, not a way of doubt, not a way of fear, not a way of hope. Because what we've tried to label as our hope today is completely different than hope that the Bible talks about, which is faith. I want to read you something I was going to read today, but I'm going to read it anyhow. Thinking about the quote that started today, we are the same church as the first century church. There's not a different church. We are the first century church. The way is still on the earth. So why is she decreasing? Maybe it's because we aren't being the way. Maybe it's because we have become something else, we are teaching something else, and we are believing something else. It's time to return to the way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. God, man, you are so fantastically awesome. I I just, you blow my mind with how good you are. And so, Father, what we ask is that you continue to remind us who we are. You continue to remind us that we are part of the way. And when we do that, 
We will move in a realm and an arena like nothing else. If it was good enough for the first century church to change the world, then it's good enough for the 21st century church to change the world. And Father, let us go in that direction, always pushing towards you and never pulling back out of embarrassment or shame, but moving ahead with the declaration, world, look at us. We've got what you need. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.